become a believer in silence, the value of silence, the power of silence, the space that isn't an absence, but a presence, a pause that is bigger than the noise that surrounds it, a gap that is a mirror, a gulf that is a bridge, the emptiness that is rejuvenating, the space that is full of more than it could ever contain. Words of poet Helen Rickerby in her volume, How to Live. She tells us that her collection of biographical poems titled My Iron Spine began with a poem sequence about Elizabeth Siddle, as she describes her, a pre-Raphaelite artist who is now probably best known as the model for Ophelia in John Everett Millay's painting inspired by Shakespeare. And she tells us that she wrote that series of poems simply because Siddle interested her. And in doing so, she began to understand the power there is in creating such pieces. Rickerby describes her poem centering on the Italian Baroque painter Artemisia Gentileschi. She says, in writing this biographical poem, I was responding not only to her life, but also to her art. Her paintings are often read as autobiographical and cathartic, perhaps similar to the way that poetry is assumed to be autobiographical by default. While this is reductive and problematic, it is true that many of her female characters do look quite similar to how she depicts herself in a self-portrait, and a biographical reading of her paintings is certainly interesting. To some extent, a biographical reading of her paintings is exactly what my poem is doing. As well as her life, I used both the artworks and their subject matter as a stimulus for conversation and learning more about the artist. Hermione Lee, in Biography, a very short introduction, suggests that two metaphors are commonly used for biography. The first is autopsy, stripping back the skin to examine the evidence and perhaps come to some kind of conclusion. The second is portraiture, bringing the subject to life, catching a likeness, sometimes warts and all. That from the essay Articulating Artemisia by poet Helen Rickerby. Artist Holly Trussell Brigham might nod her head resonating with Helen Rickerby as she brings together art and biography to get perhaps to a deeper truth than mere facts. Holly Trussell Brigham is a Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts trained figurative painter who creates mythical allegories of contemporary historical subjects. Her paintings are included in public collections like the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts in Philadelphia, the Corcoran Collection in Washington, Swarthmore College, Pennsylvania State University, and the Allentown Art Museum. Through self-portraits, Holly Trussell Brigham calls attention to the challenges women artists have faced through history, illuminating the legacies of strong women of the past by blending them with her own identity and personal experiences of what it's like to be a woman and an artist today. That from the Somerville Manning Gallery. I Wake Again, Holly Trussell Brigham on Elizabeth Siddle is an exhibition that will open this weekend at the Delaware Art Museum. In the show, Brigham investigates the life work of pre-Raphaelite artist, model, and muse Elizabeth Eleanor Siddle. 
Brigham's interest in recovering women and women artists whose names have disappeared from the historic record is here focused on Siddle's noteworthy creative output. Through the creation of an artist's book tracing the life of Siddle, Brigham reclaims her story and repositions her first and foremost as artist and poet. Historically recalled solely for her role as muse to Dante Gabriel Rossetti, John Everett Millay, and others of the pre-Raphaelite circle, Siddle left uh, significant, if limited, due to her early death, body, uh, visual, and written work. Brigham visually recaptures Siddle's own creativity with this contemporary reflection on her many-sided, full, and dynamic life. In addition to the artist's book, a large watercolor of Elizabeth Siddle, posing as the poet Tennyson's Mariana, will be featured. Other objects in the exhibition created in the arts and crafts style include a set of hand-cut yellow slip tiles decorated with the images of Siddle's life, a printed textile titled Lizzie, inspired by William Morris's patterns, and a screen decorated with scenes of female protagonists from Edmund Spencer's Fairy Queen. We had a chance to speak by phone with Holly Trussell Brigham and Margareta Frederick, Annette Woolard-Provine, curator of the Bancroft Pre-Raphaelite Collection at the Delaware Art Museum. I love to look for stories of women artists that are not well-known and to try by devoting time to either a painting or, in this case for Elizabeth Siddle, a number of different media to try to make the, the public aware of these women artists from our past. And so the Siddle, it has become, as my husband likes to say, sort of a holistic approach because Elizabeth Siddle was a pre-Raphaelite artist and poet and model. And most people know her as a model. And I wanted to kind of recreate what was going on in the arts and crafts movement and the circle of artists that she was among and to almost imagine if she had more time to live and create what she would have done. So the show has a large watercolor painting, which is 60 by 40 inches, and it has tiles and it has an artist book, it has a textile, it has a painted wooden screen. And all of these objects are similar to, to items and creativity that the Pre-Raphaelites were working on in the middle of the 19th century. Now, Margareta, why is it important that this show is going to be at the Delaware Museum? What is it about you and your collections that make this right? Oh, it's just so right. The museum has a collection of approximately 250 works of art that are indeed pre-raculate art. They were gifted to the museum in 1935 by Samuel Bancroft, a Wilmington industrialist who became quite interested in the art of the pre-raculate. And included in that collection are several works by Elizabeth Siddle. And when I learned that Holly was working on this project, I thought, wow, this is just a match made in heaven. So we're delighted to be hosting this exhibition and this project, which will be seen for the first time. Holly, you told us what you were hoping to do by focusing on one artist in particular. What kind of research goes into it? What do you do? Well, that's a very good question. Yes, and I love doing research. I have an art history background, so it comes very naturally to me. But with, with Elizabeth Siddle, 
I was aware of her body of work, of the items that the Delaware Art Museum is lucky enough to have by Siddle, and, and just being aware of how the pre raphaelite artists found source materials, what their source materials were. And so I went back to that. And part of Elizabeth's story is that she was exposed to Tennyson, the, the great poet Tennyson, as a child, and that she was really taken with his poetry and that inspired her to want to be a poet. So I thought for the painting that I should probably look at Tennyson first, not necessarily thinking that I would be so lucky as to find a poem that might inspire me. But but sure enough, I read a number of them. And when I, when I came to the one called Mariana, I, I started to see images. I started to see things. And I don't know if I could just read a couple little excerpts to show you sort of how I get to my ideas. Okay. This is a stanza from Mariana. It's the second one. It says, Her tears fell with the dews at even. Her tears fell ere the dews were dried. She could not look on the sweet heaven, either at morn or even tide. After the flitting of the bats, when thickest dark did trance the sky, she drew her casement curtain by and glanced athwart the glooming flats. She only said, the night is dreary, he cometh not, she said. She said, I am a weary, a weary, I would that I were dead. And so from, from that stanza, I got a lot of information. I got bats, which I thought would be really interesting to include. Now, you have to remember that I was working on this painting during the beginning of COVID, and we were hearing all kinds of things about bats, whether or not they were true or not. So I thought, this is, this is interesting because it relates, it relates to something that I think I would like to paint and also to the time that I'm painting in. So in the painting, in the upper left-hand corner, you see two sleeping hanging bats that are hanging from, it's like a coral rope. And so then I thought, okay, they became part of my, my thumbnail sketch. And then I'll just read one more. So we go down a few more stanzas, and it says, And ever when the moon was low and the shrill winds were up and away, in the white curtain to and fro, she saw the gusty shadow sway. But when the moon was very low and wild winds bound within their cell, the shadow of the poplar fell upon her bed across her brow. She only said, the night is dreary, he cometh not, she said. She said, I am a weary, a weary, I would that I were dead. So from that particular stanza, I got that I would have a moon that was low in the sky and that I would have casement windows, which I love, very British looking casement windows, I would have a white curtain and I would make it look like it was kind of billowing and blowy. And so those were items that I have included in, in the painting. I'm actually standing in my studio right now. I'm standing in front of the framed painting and the upper portion of the painting has this very British looking casement window that has like wrought iron closures and the panes are slanted. And the curtain is pushed to the side, to the left side. And the curtain is actually, I wanted to find a period curtain. And so I looked at a few museums that I thought might have some things. And um, I found something that I really liked. It was a textile from Elizabeth Siddle's period. And it was in the Victoria and Albert Museum. 
in England, and I thought, perfect. And it kind of has almost like a um, an Indian textile motif at the bottom, but it's predominantly white and has tones of blue and gray on it because the moonlight is coming through the window. And then you have the, the figure of Elizabeth Siddle. So the painting is called Elizabeth Siddle as Mariana. And I wanted to paint it as if it were Elizabeth Siddle's self-portrait. So imagining that if she were going to do a large painting, you know, all these other pre-Raphaelite male artists have been using her as a model. She, we're pretty sure she used herself as a model in a number of her works. And so I thought, I'm going to let her be her own model in this large painting. So she's life-size, and the model for the painting is a young uh, lady named Moira, who has gorgeous red hair, and who I thought resembled Elizabeth Siddle. So she's sitting, she has her hand resting on her face, her other hand is grabbing her elbow. She's resting on a very elaborate desk table that has a marble top on it. So that was a lot of fun to paint. And she's looking right out at the viewer, but she looks kind of tired and sad. And what she has in front of her on the table is a ink drawing that she's just finished. I, w- I want it to seem like she's just finished it. And it's actually a copy of Albrecht Durer's Melancholia. So what I'm doing here is I'm starting to piece together items that are telling a story. So in the poem, Mariana is, is sad, and she's waiting for her lover to return. And Mariana is actually Tennyson's poem, Mariana, is based on Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. So what happened in my painting is I started to connect things. I started to connect things to Mariana's story to Elizabeth's story, and to my own story, which is what I generally do when I, I do a large painting. So it becomes very interesting. If you know Albrecht Durer's Melancholia, there is a seated woman, and she also has her hand to her face, and her other hand is at her elbow. So basically, Elizabeth Siddle in my painting is mirroring the pose of melancholia. Melancholia in the Durer print here is a drawing, is holding a measuring device called calibers, which artists and architects use. And so I have a period caliber lying on top of the Dura drawing. I have a period ink bottle and an ink pen. She's put it down because she's finished it. It's what she's been doing all night long. There is a storm light, which is almost like a uh, hurricane light, also period, sitting on the desk. And it is illuminating the items on the desk, but also Elizabeth Siddle. So we have two main sources of light in my painting. It's the moonlight. There's a crescent moon that's hanging low in the sky outside of the casement window referencing the poem. But then there's also this storm light in the room that's also creating light. And there is a clock because in, in the poem that also talks about this clock. And I have the clock at about 25 after midnight. And there is also a box on the table, which is a butterfly collection, and a little photograph box that would be for like a tin type, or some people might know it as a daguerreotype box from that period. And it has a little girl chasing a butterfly on the top. So I'm kind of connecting that to the butterfly collection. 
And the, the table and the chair that she's sitting on are actual historical pieces designed by Pugin, who did sort of Gothic-type architecture and architectural elements, tiles and all kinds of furniture and wonderful things in, in England, a little bit earlier period than Elizabeth Siddle. So those are, those are the main elements. How did I do, Margaret? Did I leave anything out? Oh, that was wonderful. I, I would only add that in the details of this painting, Holly is very much echoing what the pre-Raphaelite painters did in their paintings, which was to create this really intricate iconography within paintings filled with symbols and so on. But Holly has done this and made really something historic become eminently present. And Margareta, then, if we think about the reference to bats, and Holly just mentioned the Gothic style, is there that being evoked in a symbol like the bats coming from the poem? Sure. I mean, absolutely. And that's such a Victorian sign or symbol. There's two Gothics. There's the literary Gothic, and there's the architectural Gothic that was being rejuvenated and, and used in buildings during the time that the Pre-Raphaelites were just getting started, the Gothic revival. But either way, this this idea of a sort of a dark and gothic tale that Holly is telling in relation to Siddle's life, and which is very present in Siddle's poetry. There's definitely a darkness there, um, is aptly caught in the painting. Thank you, Margareta. Yeah, the, cl- the clock, too, is, is a gothic style. Also, something that I researched to try to find a clock that I liked and I thought would fit within the imagery of the painting. There's one thing that I changed from the poem. In the poem, there is a reference to a peach. And I thought, hmm, okay, fruit, bats. So the bats have to be fruit bats. They are fruit bats. They are fruit bats that you would find in England. So I needed to make sure that that was accurate. I turned the, the, the peach into a pear. So there is a pear that is hanging in the middle of the cord. So the bats are at the upper left. And in the middle, there is this golden pear. And there is a blue fly that's eating it. And there is a blue fly that's mentioned in the poem. So I thought, that's cool. I want to put him in there. So I have him. He's been chewing on the pear. But perhaps, you know, the pear is kind of rotting almost. And the bats obviously have been eating at it, too. And it's tied to the, to the cord with a beautiful little ribbon. And, and so I'm making a reference to one of my favorite artists, Carlo Crivelli, who was a, he kind of combined Gothic and early Renaissance techniques. And he worked in the Veneto region of Italy. And so I thought, well, you know, here are the pre-Raphaelites. They're looking at artists who worked before Raphael. Carlo Crivelli definitely worked before Raphael. I'm going to pay a little homage to him as well in the painting. So if you or the listeners know about Carlo Crivelli or they don't know about Carlo Crivelli, they should definitely look at his work because you will get the sort of tilting of my hat to him because he would always have fruits and vegetables hanging from garlands in his paintings, oftentimes like a really bumpy cucumber or pears and apples and things. So here we have a pear. (laughs) 
Let's talk about the idea of a self-portrait of Elizabeth. It's very intriguing, the idea of your immersing yourself in the life of Siddle, looking at what might be self-portraits of her in her own work, and creating with your own model, Elizabeth as Mariana. There's lots of layers here. Talk to us about that concept of portraiture and self-portrait and gazing and looking in what we see. Yes, well... So oftentimes in in the pre-Raphaelite work, women are depicted as almost, whether very passive, almost semi-asleep, kind of in a dream world. Rarely do you have paintings, say, by by Rossetti, Elizabeth Siddle's husband, where the figure is looking out at the viewer. So the, the person in the painting looking out at the person standing in the museum gallery house, wherever, looking at that painting. It's something that I do, and I, and I like to make sure that the figure is looking out at the viewer, because I think it creates a conversation, but it also creates a dynamic of power. And I thought about it. I mean, I thought about, okay, well, maybe her eyes are downcast. She's, you know, in the poem, Marianne is really sad. She's depressed. And so maybe I go along with what the pre-Raphaelites did, but then... I am who I am, so I, I decided to have her. So basically, the story within the painting is she has been she has been waiting for someone. While she's been waiting, she has decided to create artwork. So I'm I'm setting her up as this is Elizabeth Siddle as as artist. So she's just done this great copy of Durer. She looks up. She's gotten through most of the night. She's fine. She's looking up as if someone has just come in the room. So we don't know if it's her lover. I mean, in the story, he doesn't, I mean, he's unfaithful and he doesn't come back. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of giving her power. And she's, she looks sort of sad, but she's also this creative force. And she's looking out and saying, here I am. And Margareta, isn't that one of the missions of museums in this day to help us have those conversations with the past and think about how the pre-Raphaelites in the collection you all have and the evocation of the women there and then a comparison in an exhibition like this one with Holly's Elizabeth and to toggle back and forth and ask those questions. It must be so exciting for you as a 21st century curator. Yes, I've spent probably most of my career focusing on female members of the pre-Raphaelite movement, including Elizabeth Siddle, who honestly hadn't even begun to be talked about when I first uh, came into the field. So Holly's ability and her drive to reposition these women who have been sort of sidelined in the way we talk about the history, in this case of the pre-Raphaelites, is, is just right up my alley. And I mean, when Siddle poems may suggest uh, a bit of darkness there, but she was absolutely driven to be able to rise from middle-class, working-class upbringing, and yet determined to be an artist and to be a poet and manages to make the connections necessary in order to get at least some level of training at a time when there were very little opportunities for women to train. And and so she may not have felt very powerful in her time, but she certainly had a powerful ambition 
to become to become an artist. And Holly's kind of putting her in the chair of power that she needs to be in and should be in is really refreshing for me and wonderful to work with. And what about the frame? Oh, yeah, it's so funny. I was <laughs> just going to say, maybe I should say something about the frame. You took the words right out of your mouth. The frame is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. There is basically the top, what I would consider the top frame maker, frame supplier in the city of Philadelphia. Her name is Ursula Hobson, and she's the one you know that the Philadelphia Museum of Art goes to when they need a, a replacement frame on a Van Gogh or something like that. She's able to basically, you know, she has all these connections and she's able to get frame moldings that echo certain periods in art history. And so I took the painting in and we had uh, talked on the phone and by email and, and I was just like, what do you have that looks like something Rossetti would put on one of his paintings? I, I need a really great frame for this big painting. And she gave me a couple options and I think I sent them to Margareta as well and we kind of honed in on one. It's, it's gold. It has little, it has corner squares that have scrivito lines in them and medallions, and it looks very much like a frame that you would see on a Rossetti painting. So it's lovely, and it picks up, there are a number of circles within the painting, so you've got the clock dial, you've got the pendulum, you've got the circle of the light coming out from the storm light, and so the little round rosettes on the edge of the frame kind of pick that up, and there's a lot going on in the painting, but the frame is decorative, but also simple enough, I think, to, you know, create a good marriage between the painting and the frame. And for the pre-raculites, the frame was almost as important as the painting itself, and they designed often especially Rossetti designed their own frame specifically for the individual painting. And the idea was it becomes this kind of total work of art. And I, I think Holly's been really successful in working with her frame maker to do just that with this self-portrait of Siddle's Mariana. Just then, Margareta Frederick, Annette Woolard-Provine, curator of the Bancroft Pre-Raphaelite Collection at the Delaware Art Museum, and Holly Trussell Brigham, Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts-trained figurative painter who has works in many public collections, including the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., and the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts. We spoke in anticipation of the opening of the exhibition titled I Wake Again, Holly Trussell Brigham on Elizabeth Siddle that is scheduled to open on Saturday, February 26th at the Delaware Art Museum and will run through May 29th at the museum. There are chances to engage with Holly and one of them is sold out and that's on February 27th. That is an in-person conversation, and that is at the museum, and it is sold out. But we are invited to a virtual art chat on March 3rd at noon. And so for more information, you can find that online at dellart.org, dellart.org. The Delaware Art Museum is located at 2301 Kentmere Parkway in Wilmington, Delaware, 
and we've spoken in the past a number of times with Holly Trossel Brigham, getting to know her with her exhibition in our region at the Sordoni Art Gallery, and we continue to follow her work right into Delaware and the exhibition I Wake Again, Holly Trossel Brigham on Elizabeth Siddle, again opening this weekend at the Delaware Art Museum, opening February 26th, and the exhibition will run through May 29th. For more information on the web, delart.org, D-E-L-A-R-T dot org.